You know what he just said? Let me sum that up in redneck terms. He said, I'm old. Did, did y'all catch that? When, uh, when I look and I see Jared's married and has babies and Nick has, I don't know, a half a city that uh, they've given birth to. And, uh, but, man, it has been great doing ministry with them over the years. I, I kind of struggled this week because uh, I really wanted to get up here because, guys, I have some dirt on your pastor. You can call me, and I will tell you stuff from camps over the years with Travis, with Nick, and Jared I've known since he was about six years old. Um, he ate a lot of my food at our house, so uh, him and his parents are good people. But, man, I, I am excited to be at Wilderness, all right, just being dead honest with you guys. I, I am the director for American Fellowship of Cowboy Churches, and I get to travel around the country working with a lot of different churches, uh, just, you know, ministering to pastors. It's my calling these days. Uh, just a quick, quick history about Jeff. Uh, I grew up in Greenville, Texas. We started going to Cowboy Church back in 2002 at Cross Trails in Commerce, Texas. Uh, then the Lord uh, opened up. <laughs> yeah, I hear him back there, you know. Never let that guy run sound, by the way. Um, but... In 2009, the, the Lord started opening up some doors with us, and we ended up in the hill country of Texas. We moved to uh, Kerrville, Bandera, planted a church down there. Uh, man, it has been incredible to see what the Lord has done and is doing in Bandera. But in this new season of life, uh, the Lord has called me to travel around, and my wife gets to travel with me some. She still is gainfully employed, and I don't want to hinder that because I really love to hunt and I really love fishing out in the ocean and it gets expensive and I need her job to do that. So I hope this is not recorded. If it is, please edit that part out because it will get me in trouble. Um, but anyway, it, it's great to be at Wilderness today. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these guys that is going to tell a, a lot of stories because I can just tell you where I've been over the last several years. Is Man, as, as I bump around the country and, and um I see what the Lord is doing in churches, uh, church with a big C. You understand, church with a big C is the body of Christ. But church with a big C is affecting churches with a little C. And as I bump around the country, I see what the Lord's doing. And the churches that are strong, churches with a little C that are strong, it's where the people there want to hear God's word, period. Because that's what changes our lives. Now, I'm not saying a good story to go with that. You know, about something that's happened is great, but as long as God's word is the focus. So that's where we're going to go this morning. And um, again, I grew up in Greenville, Texas, been in church since I guess I was born. Mom was church secretary at Highland Terrace Baptist Church. Um, you know, so I've heard a lot of the Bible stories, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14 today. And, and it's a story, you guys, if you've been in church, you've heard this. It's where Jesus feeds the 5,000. So it's Matthew 14, verse 13. Uh, please turn there if you got a Bible. The verses will be somewhere up here on the, the deals. Um, if I gave them to Jared and if I gave them to him right. So anyway, before we get into that, man, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we praise you. God, you are holy. And God, I pray this morning, Lord, that, uh, Father, you just hide me behind your word. God, that you hide me behind your cross this morning. Lord, that, that anything that comes out of my mouth, Lord, it, it would be from you. Um, Father, I pray that you start with me. Lord, change me today. Lord, draw me closer to you. Lord, and motivate, inspire me, and build me a, a courage and a boldness in me. Lord, to not just go to church, but Lord, to be the church when I walk out of these doors. 
Lord, we love you. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room. And, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us leave here better than when we got here. But, Lord, not as good as we're going to be tomorrow as we're one day closer to being in your presence and being more obedient to you. Father, most of all, we thank you for your amazing grace, salvation through Jesus Christ, for forgiveness of sins. And, God, we ask for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, man, I hope you uh, are, are ready for Matthew 14 because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to challenge you, go read Matthew 14 this week. This is one of the coolest books in the Gospels. Matthew 14 is jam-packed full of stories. So it starts out with the drama series, all right? If you're into drama movies and drama, it starts out with John the Baptist being beheaded, all right? And, and that's a bad deal, but, I mean, we rent movies. We watch movies. I don't know if you rent movies anymore. Do you do that? We, we got that net, net flippies or whatever out of Netflix or something. But, uh, but anyway, it starts out with John the Baptist being beheaded. Then the next story is where Jesus feeds 5,000. And then the one any pastor that has ever stood in a pulpit and preached has preached this message from another part of Matthew 14. It's where Peter gets out of the boat and Jesus walks on water. Peter walks on water. You tracking with me? You know that story? Just nod. I know it's early. Um, and then the last story the last part of Matthew 14 is where Jesus heals many, especially the one that someone just touches his clothes and they're healed. So I'm telling you, it is a great book. It is one of those. But but as I started reading this back over a year ago, and actually I was here in Tyler, Texas. I was at a, a Horsegate, and there they had a lady there. I think her name was Dr. Hurst, something like that, was giving a, a, a talk, and Man, as she was reading, and she was in Matthew 14, but I started reading, and, and guys, I got to tell you, I got hung up on, on two verses. It was verses 15 and uh, 16 and 17. But this morning, if you'll allow me, I want to read all of Matthew 14, 13 through 21, because what we're going to do after that is we're going to break this down a little bit, and hopefully that crowd that comes in 11, they can catch up, because we'll probably be here till about 1 o'clock going through all this. So y'all just bear with me. Matthew 14, 13 through 21. It says, as soon as Jesus heard the news, the news he had just heard of was John the Baptist being beheaded. He left in a boat to the remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he, where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's getting really already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Jesus answered. He said, Bring them here. He then took the, told the people to sit down, on the grass, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. I think it's important to understand what's going on in this, this story, in this picture we see of Jesus. First of all, we, we see a human side of Jesus. He's grieving, right? 
he just learned that John the Baptist, his friend, his co-laborer, his brother in, in God's calling on his life as well as John's had just been killed. So he's grieving, and he goes away like a lot of us do. He goes to find, I, I mean, he goes to the wilderness, right? He tries to get away from all the crowds to get away, but then he sees them. And, man, it's so cool to see that when he sees them, he has compassion on them. And, and I just preached a series here a while back at, at Riding the River where, you know, the church we're at at Bandera, and it was on the Code of the West. And one of the Code of the West is do what has to be done. People in our culture, whether it's, it's wilderness, it's hunting, fishing, whether it's cowboy stuff, sometimes we just do what has to be done. Jesus saw these people, he had compassion on them, and he just did what had to be done. But as I started breaking this down, man, I'm thinking, you know, it, it's crazy because I've been going to church all these years, and I go to church to get fed, and I go to church wanting to hear that, that life-changing service or that life-changing verses. And I sat there a year ago in Tyler, Texas, and I'm listening, and I'm reading God's Word. God began to work in Jeff's life and start teaching me something about a story I'd heard since I was in Sunday school as a little kid. I want to read these verses again, 16 through 18. Again, Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they announced. Bring them here, Jesus said. The first words that stuck out on my mind, and as you know, the Lord's just speaking to me, he says these words to the disciples, you feed them. Guys, I'm, I'm not here to step on anybody's toes but Jeff's toes, but I'm going to tell you, I'm stepping on my toes this morning because for years I've gone to church expecting to be fed. I expect the pastor to feed me. I expect the worship team to feed me. I, I go hungry for that. And guys, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying, but when Jesus says in here, you feed them, what he's preparing us for is not to just be fed, but to go feed. Following? You, you still awake? I'll dance and sing to you, and I promise that'll run you out of here. So, But, man, Jesus' words here are so profound because he says, that isn't necessary, you feed them. I have an elder in Bandera, Texas. His name is Grady Desmond. We call him Moses um, because, you know, some people say that people are older than dirt. Grady's not older than dirt. He's still wet behind the ears because he just got off the ark. I mean, he, he's well, he's old, but Grady knows the word, guys. He knows the word, and, and I love what he would tell people. People would come to church, and I'm sure it probably never happened here with Travis or Jared or Nick or any of these guys here, but people will come to church, and they'll walk out the door and think, man, I just didn't get anything out of that service today. What the heck were they talking about? Grady's response to them is when they come and they say, man, I didn't get anything out of that service. Here's his response. What did you bring to it? Bam. That hurts, doesn't it? Because as I read this verse over and over, I think about those words where Jesus tells the disciples, these are the guys that walk with him, you feed them. So I'm sitting there in a sanctuary and things are going on and I'm thinking about those words and Jesus is telling me, Jeff, you go feed them. I think about the words when Jesus is talking to Peter at the end of the book of John and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, of course you know I love you. He says, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. You see, Jesus came not only to save us, to prepare, but to prepare us to feed other people. 
See, that was huge as I started reading that because it changed my life. It changed my attitude. It changed my perception going down the road. It's like, Lord, you didn't call me just to go down the road to be fed. You called me to go down the road to feed other people. And it was life-changing in that. But I'm going to tell you, that was just mild from where the Lord was leading me. Because here's my question to you this morning before we go there. What are you feeding other people? And some of you think, man, I'm not a preacher, I'm not a teacher, I'm not a singer, I don't want to do Bible study. Guys, I'm telling you, you can do something that feeds other people and get involved in impacting the kingdom of God. God is calling you to feed people. And that's huge, and we could stop right there. But let me tell you, this thing gets radically different because as I kept going, I was reading this, and again, verse 17, it says, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. We only have five loaves of two, two five loaves of bread and two fish. As I think about my challenge to you guys, and I think about God's challenge to me about go feed them, then I want to ask that question. Now, and see, I'm one of those people. People think it's wrong to question God, right? Anybody agree with that? It's not. There are great men throughout the Bible have questioned God. In fact, the greatest person that ever worked and the only perf- per- perfect person that ever walked this earth, Jesus Christ asked a question and questioned his father, and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He already knew the answer, but the human side is just like our human side. He asked that. So the question is, what do we feed people? That's my question this morning. I want you to think about what do you feed people? As I started reading this, life began to take a whole new direction because I've read this over and over, and I've preached messages on this where the disciples are like so many church folks, they say, but Jesus, seriously, there is a lot of people here. In fact, the word says 5,000 men in addition to women and children. So we're assuming there's 7,500 to 10,000 people there. He says, you feed them. And they say, but Lord, you got to understand, they only got five loaves and two fish. Man, as I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about these words and Jesus is saying, Jeff, you go feed them. And I'm saying, okay, Lord, what do I feed them? And he says, man, I've given you five loaves and two fish. Feed them what you got. Feed them what you got. As I really started breaking this down over the next few weeks and months as I started preparing and thinking about this, is how often do we see what God's provided and we say, God, Man, we're so thankful you've provided this, but God, it's just not enough. It's just not enough. It's not even going to touch these people out here. Five loaves and two fish? My goodness, I can eat a whole package of hot dog buns and two fish sticks in one setting by myself. There ain't no way this is going to feed everybody. But Jesus says it isn't necessary. Bring Bring what you got to me. I want you to ponder just a minute because I've always looked at this passage from a negative perspective. I've always looked at this passage from the Jeff perspective is what I'll call it. Is Jesus has called me to go do something and I start searching around and think, Lord, okay, but man, all I have is five loaves and two fish. You see, there's so many people that think they're lacking, think they don't have enough. There's so many churches that think they need more in order to be able to feed God's people. There's so many organizations that are constantly seeking more. 
instead of looking right in front of them and saying, holy crap, if God has given us five fish, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. You see, maybe it's a perception, but I don't believe that sometimes I want you to think, what if, what if the disciples were not saying, God, it's not enough, but they were walking up and saying, Jesus, you are not going to believe this. We can feed these people because we found five loaves of bread and two fish. So here's my question to you this morning. What's your five and two? Because every one of us in this room, every one of us in this room, everyone that may be listening to this sometime down the road on a, on a podcast or on the radio or whatever, however they listen to it, their iPhones, I don't even know how to run one of those things. But somebody will be listening to this. Our question to them is the same, is what is your five and two? Because God has provided you with something that you can feed other people who impact his kingdom. You following me? Does it make sense that God has given you something? He has given you something, a gift, a talent, time, treasure, talents that you can use to feed other people. And he's calling each and every one of us the same as he did in this story, the same as he did Peter. He's calling and saying, Jeff Bishop, you go feed them. And I'm going to provide the five and two. My question to you is very simple this morning. What is your five and two? Because if we do a gut check, if we look inside, we'll realize that God has provided something within us that we can feed other people. If we keep going through this, not only... Do we see that? But we see what Jesus did, and I love this part, and I could get on a whole message on this. At the end of it, Jesus tells them, he says, he said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish, and what does Jesus say? Bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. I just shared with y'all, I grew up in church all my life, grew up in the Baptist church. You know, we didn't allow the Holy Spirit in there because everybody would get weirded out if somebody would raise a hand. They didn't know what was going on with them in there. But anyway, it was a great training. They taught me a lot. It's, it's all those people in my life that impacted and trained Jeff. But as I read this more, I, I've, I've never thought about this in this way. When Jesus says, bring them to me, let's go through the actions. What's the first thing Jesus did? The first thing he did when they brought those five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. It's not my words. It's his words says, bring them here, he said. Then he told the people, sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked up toward heaven. This message here is free. It's kind of a little side note, so this is an intermission in this message. But let me tell you this part of this message, because I grew up in the Baptist church. When you pray, what do you do? You bow your head. Well, first of all, you know, we, we weren't allowed to wear hats because Granny didn't want that in the house or the church. But you took off your hat, you bowed your head, you closed your eyes, and you prayed, right? It was a sign of reverence. And, guys, I, I'm all about it. I'm not trying to be irreverent today, but I'm looking at what my Savior did. I'm looking at the example Jesus teaches in here. And it says he took those things and he looked up to heaven and then he blessed them. Let's stop on that looked up to heaven because I, I want to I get on a tangent just a minute. Anybody in here ever used Waze or Google Maps or any of that stuff? Anybody want to admit it? Come on, guys, I can see you shaking your head. You use it. But here's how I know you use it. Because if you're a man, you ain't going to stop and ask for directions. Ain't no way. 
until your wife forces you to stop. I see wives look at husbands, so you guys are going to need to do marriage counseling after this is over, I promise. But we, we do that. So here's my point. Here's my thought. This is my little mini message in this message. When we pray to God asking him for direction and we bow our heads and close our eyes, how the heck are we going to see where he's leading us to go? You getting me? So I've learned something in Jeff's life. That's what I love about being at Wilderness because I love to go out into the woods. I love to hunt. If all I could do in life was fish and hunt and my wife would pay for it, that's what I would do. I love it. But I love going out. And this year, because of this message, at our little hole in the ground in Brady, Texas, I'm setting up on top of a granite mountain, and I just started looking up to heaven, and I started praying. And, guys, I'd love to tell you I heard the rocks talking and all that stuff, but all I really could hear in my heart and my mind was God saying, it's about dadgum time you looked at me when you talked to me because I am the daddy that would take Cody Bishop and I would grab him by the cheeks and I would say, listen to me, son, when I'm talking to you. And I think the Lord started grabbing Jeff Bishop by the, the cheeks and saying, listen to me because I want to show you where to go. All right, back on the message here. That was free. As we look through all this stuff, we see what Jesus did. He said he looked up to heaven. He blessed what they had brought, and then he broke it, and the disciples started passing it on. I asked the question a while ago, what's your five and two? Guys, I can't answer that for you. There's no pastor in the world that can answer that for you. The only thing that can answer what your five and two is is you and the Holy Spirit speaking through God's word to you to let you know what your five and two is. But I can tell you this. When you bring it all to Jesus, he will bless it, he will break it, he will distribute it, and you'll see lives changed because of it. This morning as I've read this scripture, as I think about this, I, I want you to understand, I want you to think that God has called you to do something. Maybe, heaven forbid, it's to teach children's church in this church. I just made because I'm not a children's guy. I, I want them bigger where they wipe their butts. But maybe God has called you to do something in this church. Maybe God has called you to do something in your work. Maybe as God's called you to do something in line at Walmart. Or I was in academy down the road here yesterday. Lord knows they need Jesus down there. That was crazy. But maybe God's calling you to do something to use your five and two. But he's asking you to bring it to him. But you see, here's part of the problem when we bring stuff to Jesus. And this is where I've been for years. It's like, I want to give it to him. Here, God, use the good stuff in my life. Take it. But I want to hold back. Anybody here ever play Texas Hold'em? You're not going to admit it out loud because we're in church, right? You can't do that. Heaven forbid you should admit Texas Hold'em. But I love watching Texas Hold'em. I love watching that on TV, and I love those, those times when that one player, maybe he's got a few chips, maybe he's got a lot of chips or whatever, and he takes those and he pushes them to the center of the table, and the announcers go, oh, oh he's all in. He went all in. Man, I want the Lord to look down and say, oh, my gosh, Jeff Bishop just went all in. Because, you see, when we go all in, that's when he takes our five and two and he lifts it up to the Father and he says, man, look at my child. Bless this, Lord. Bless this, Lord. 
And then he may start breaking it down. And he may say, Jeff, feed a little here. Feed a little over there. Feed a little here. Then God's word through you starts impacting other people, and the kingdom of God is impacted. Ty Hervey preached on the kingdom of God here a few weeks ago on this faith. I heard Ty preach that message here. I've heard him talk about that in conversations. Guys, if we're not focused on the kingdom, then we've lost perception of the calling God has on us right now. If we're not focused on the kingdom, then we're neglecting to see the five loaves and the two fish that God has given every one of us, no matter what that looks like. Now, I can tell you, sometimes my five loaves and two fish may look like five hot dog buns and two fish sticks. Your five loaves may look like five Mrs. Baird trucks and two halibuts, great big fish if you've never caught one. They're ginormous. He may be giving you totally different, and he's called you to use that to feed other people and to impact his kingdom. But then we get to where we're really at. My good friend Nick Swinford taught me this years ago because as Nick would end the prayers at our camp meeting and at our camp stuff, he would always say this, God, we trust you. God, I trust you. So my question not only is, what's your five and two? What are you feeding? My question is simply this. Do you trust him? Do you trust God enough to give him your life? Do you trust him enough to give him access to every point of your life and show you the parts that need to be cleaned up and the parts that need to be given out and the parts that need to be worked through to help other people? Do you trust him enough to give him your life? Do you trust him enough to give him your family? Guys, I'm one of those. I love my family. I have two of the most beautiful granddaughters in the world. They are actually 45 minutes east of here. They are amazing. But I'm going to tell you, I trust God enough that they belong to him. As much as I want to control everything and be responsible for everything, they belong to him. doesn't mean I still don't love them. It still doesn't mean I don't dote on them and spoil, spoil them rotten. But I trust God enough to say, God, man, if I'm in control of this, I'm going to mess it up. So, God, I want you to have complete control. Do you trust him enough to give him your life? Do you trust him enough to give him your time? Do you trust him enough to give him your talents? Do you trust him enough to give him your treasure? Matthew says where your treasure is, there your heart is. Will you give your heart to him today? Maybe some of you in this room, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Nick and them are going to come back up, lead us in a closing song, and I'm going to pray in a minute, but I'm going to just be straight up honest with you. I stood in Highland Terrace Baptist Church, nine years old, was at a revival, and, and there's still fingernail marks in the back of a pew where on night one I knew the Lord was speaking to Jeff. I'd heard the plan of salvation from my mom and dad, but I was so afraid to walk down that aisle and go to the front of that Baptist church to be saved that I didn't do it for three nights. Finally, on night four, it's like, you know what? I can't wait any longer. And I walked down that aisle. But what I've learned since then is, guys, I didn't have to walk down that aisle to be saved. I was saved right there in that pew when I prayed to the Lord Jesus Christ 
Father, forgive me because I'm a sinner. And I confess you as Lord and Savior. Jesus, save me. Maybe today you're in this building and you're struggling with what your five and two is. You're struggling with what you're feeding. And there's the reason you're struggling is because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he has not filled up your life. He has not poured into your life to identify what it is because you don't even know who he is. Today can be the day where you have a one-on-one conversation with the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Today can be the day when you cry out to Jesus and say, here I am. He's crying out to you, and he wants you to be all in. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray, God, for each one in this room. Lord, first, I just want to thank you, Lord, for saving a messed up sinner like me. God, I pray each and every day as you, as just as you show us in your word for you are the potter and we are the clay. Lord, I pray each and every day you throw me on that potter's wheel and Lord, you break me down where I need to be broken down and Lord, you mold me and shape me, Lord, so I can be a vessel that takes what you've blessed me with, Lord, my five and my two and God, that I can feed other people. Father, today, I pray that each of us in this room God, that we will be able to boldly, confidently, passionately, and with compassion and a thankful heart come to you and say, Jesus, I trust you. I trust in you. Father, we love you. Father, I pray that as we go about this week, God, we pray for safety. I pray for healing over the people that are listening, the people in this building. Father, we claim healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we claim victory in the name of Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray as we go out of this building that Satan is sitting there thinking, holy crap, they're outside. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.